the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Friends, it's Passion Week 2023, and for each of the days leading up to Easter, we have invited a pastor to share on six steps to Easter. And what we want to do is encourage you in a couple of ways. We want to encourage you to prepare your heart for Easter wherever you're at. Maybe you haven't been to church in a long time. This is a great time to go back and get to be in a part of a fellowship. Or maybe there's somebody in your life, your world, your relational world, somebody you work with, somebody you go to school with, who you're in the back of your mind, you already are thinking, I really should invite them to church, or I wish that they would come with me to Easter. We want to encourage you to do that. And so that's what we're going to do. We also have a special gift for you that we will tell you about how you can get a free Bible for that friend that you're thinking of or family member. We'll tell you about that at the end. Today is step three in our Steps to Easter, and the theme is Sanctify Yourself. Our theme verse is Ephesians four twenty-two through 23. And here with me to talk about this is Pastor J.P. Jones. J.P. Jones is the founding and senior Senior pastor of Crossline Community Church in Laguna Hills, California. He can be heard daily throughout Southern California and around the world on his program that is called Truth That Changes Lives. It can be heard on KKLA in Los Angeles. Uh, Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You can also find him by searching for Truth That Changes Lives at oneplace.com. Pastor J.P. Jones, welcome to Southern California Live. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be here. It's great to have you here. So let's talk about getting ready for Easter and how do we prepare for this? You know, we have different traditions. We'll call it different things. There's Passion Week and Holy Week, and there's Easter Week. We used to call it Easter Vacation, but we really should take this period of time. I think it's a great opportunity to say, hey, how do I just remind myself of the gospel and how do I remind myself of what God is calling me to do? How, would, how do you sanctify yourself? And, and with the Ephesians passage, what are your thoughts about that? Well, that's a great passage because in Ephesians 4, Paul is now talking about how we live out our new identity in Christ. The first three chapters of Ephesians, it starts with all of our blessings in Christ. And then chapter 2 talks about how we've been made alive with Christ, saved by grace, raised up, seated with Christ. Uh, we've been made a part of the body of Christ with every other believer. And uh, chapter 4 begins with this challenge to now to live in a manner worthy of our calling. And here at, at uh, chapter 4, verses uh, 22 to 25, what he's really talking about is how part of living out that new identity in Christ is we put off the old and we put on the new. And uh, that's what sanctification is. It's being set apart for Christ. And Part of that, in terms of our responsibility, is that daily action is, is putting off our old nature and putting on our new nature in Christ. Paul's the words that he uses is kind of a cool word. It's, it, it's a word that talks about putting on clothes. It's it's the Greek verb enduo, which means you walk into your closet and you see what you're going to put on for that day, and and you put on that that outfit. Uh, but before you put on the new outfit, you got to take off the old outfit. And that's what we do as followers of Jesus, and we're to do it every day. Uh, we, we put off the old stuff, the, 
the deeds of the flesh, the behaviors that were part of our old nature, and we put on the new stuff, all the virtues of Christ. And we, we have it. It's kind of a package deal. When you, when you receive Jesus, you receive everything that comes with Jesus, yet there's a daily responsibility for every believer to put that on. So uh, I, I would say to people, just almost picture yourself walking into your closet, taking off your, your old clothes and putting on the new clothes. You put on, I'm going to put on love. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on joy. I'm going to put on peace. I'm, I'm going to put on righteousness. I'm going to put on holiness. It's a, it's a mental, willful action to put on Christ. You know what I really like about that is that when we talk about sanctifying ourselves, it's not just about ourselves. When you're putting on clothes, you're you're getting ready to present yourself to other people. They're going to see you a certain way. Exactly. And uh, you know, I, I like to think of that. You know, when I was in high school playing football, after football practice, you know, you, you'd take off all that gear, and then underneath you you had the shirt and the the, the shorts that you wore underneath it, and it's just soaked with sweat. <laughs> And uh, that, that, that's not the stuff that you want to have underneath any clothes you wear when you go home or go out on a date or do whatever you're going to do. You've got to take that stuff off. And um, the, the Bible's real clear that the stuff that is part of our fleshly nature, is, it, it's, it's distasteful. Uh, it's not pleasing to God. It doesn't help us become the people God wants us to be. So we've got to take that stuff off. And, and uh, that stuff stinks sometimes too, right? That we have in Christ. And that stuff stinks sometimes, right? People can smell <laughs> that a mile away. Oh, and, oh yeah. And that's that's I think a really important point with sanctify yourself is that we're we're doing it for the purpose of our ministry and the purpose of making disciples and doing what God called us to do. Yeah. It, it's it, it's an ongoing process, right? We you, you know, it's the Christian life is becoming who we already are. The moment we receive hmm. Jesus, we are perfect and complete in Christ. But that we we got to possess our position. You got to daily pursue that and make the decisions in the power of the Holy Spirit to become that person. And that even says that in that Ephesians four passage because it talks about putting off, putting on, and then being renewed in the spirit of our minds. That's the actual process of sanctification. That's a that's a really great word there. And how would you encourage people to start with this? So if somebody's listening and they're saying, "Hey, you know what? I I need to change my clothes spiritually speaking. I need to do this." What's the first step? What would you tell them? Well, there's a you got to you got to admit that uh that only in Christ can you become the person God wants you to become. Hmm. So you take ownership for how you've fallen short of God's uh standard, failed to be the person God called you to be, failed to do what God's called you to do. That's just, uh, that's confession and repentance of sin. And then receive what God's provided for you in Jesus Christ. Acknowledge that Christ died, rose again from the dead. That's what Easter's all about. And that the death and resurrection of Jesus means something to me as a, as a follower of Christ. I died with Christ. I've been raised up with Christ. So that's, that's kind of like the stuff you need to know. And then you need to act upon that in faith. So it's that daily, by faith, re-upping on my understanding that I died with Christ, I've been raised up with Christ. And uh, I think that's where, where prayer and God's Word become so powerful for people. Uh, before we came in today and, and we had this interview, I had my time in the morning. I do every time. And when I get up in the morning, I get my cup of coffee, and which 
I need that and the Holy Spirit to keep going, by the way. I understand. Caffeine and you know, Holy Spirit. So I, and then I just, I set my own familiar chair and I read and I pray and I, I journal and I ask God to speak to me. That's, that's spiritual renewal. And the Holy Spirit renews me. Any person who does that seeks God on that daily basis, the Holy Spirit will renew them. And that's where you can talk to God about that putting off and putting on stuff and really even mentally picture in your mind the clothes that you're putting off and the clothes that you're putting on so that you face the day as a new person in Christ with the virtues of Christ. Well, thank you for that. I think that is a great advice. And of course, people can do this at any time, not just at Easter time, but this is a great week to be reminded that, hey, this is something we ought to do regularly. And, right. you know, and... You know, the next thing that comes up a lot with Easter time and Easter week is churches are often saying, you know, invite your friends, invite your friends, invite your family. When you think about that, and you've been a pastor now for, what, 25 or 30 years at uh, at uh, Crossline, how does a person really go about inviting their friends and really thinking about, you know, I really doing this? And it's not just some throw out thing that maybe we do at church, but something to be really serious about. Yeah. Um, well, the greater the relationship, the freer the communication. Hmm. Uh, so the more you have a relationship with your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, the freer you are to be yourself, to talk about your relation with God, to invite people to church, to uh, become someone in their life that is uh, a go-to person to help them when they're in some kind of a crisis. So, um, uh, it, it, it's funny. I'm I, in preparation for Easter. I'm doing some training with people, folks in our church, and I'm calling the class how to talk about Jesus without being weird. And because that's what people are afraid of. Right? You know, they're afraid I'm going to be weird. Yeah. Uh, people going to think I'm weird if I talk about God or if I invite them to church, and then that fear stops them from engaging with people on the best conversation they could ever have, on the best news they could ever talk about. Right. It's not called good news for nothing. It's not bad news. It's good news. Right. So, so what do you tell people? How do you tell them, hey, don't worry about the being weird? You know, how do, what do you say to people to get over that fear? Well, um, you, you create the context with people by loving your neighbor, praying for them, and then you share your story. That's that's the biggest. It's not a uh, – it's, it's really not rocket science. You share your story of – how Jesus has changed your life. And in the context of a real life relationship, that opens communication for people to talk about their life, their needs. And then you, you relate your story to their story and you point them back to God's story, you know? So it's your story. This is how Jesus changed my life. Your story was going on in your life. God's story. This is what God did for us in the gospel and how Jesus can forgive your sins and change your life. And, you know, I think people can actually trust their stories, that God put you in the life of that person you might share your story with on purpose because your story is the right story for them to hear. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, it, it, it is. And and uh, that's what's so powerful about our stories, about, you know, that's why, you know, in Acts, I think three times it has Paul's testimony of how he came to know Christ. And in Galatians, there's another example. So it obviously was a powerful tool that the Apostle Paul used in, in talking to people about Jesus. So I, I, I think that that sets that the, the context for any conversation about Christ anytime, right? 
Yeah. Now, with Easter, it, it, it's what's exciting about Easter is just the, the statistics tell us there are more guests in churches, evangelical churches, than any other time of the year. Um, although we do live in a post-Christian culture, most people still know something about Easter and have some kind of connection to realize something big is going on at church at Easter time. And usually most of our churches have some kind of special program. So it's like, it's actually something credible to invite people to, you know, you you invite a friend to your church service on Easter. They're not going to have a bad time. They're going to have a good time. They're going to hear a message that can change their life for eternity. So having that mindset, I, I have something positive to share with people and something good for them to experience that, that frees us to say, oh, okay, I can overcome that fear barrier and actually just invite my neighbor, invite my coworker, invite my friend to be my guest with me at, at church. And I think because it's Easter, your your friend is, is, maybe they're not expecting you to ask them, but they're not surprised when you do. Yeah. Right? It's not out of yeah. the blue. It's not, uh, you know, hey, come to church with me this random Sunday, for, you know, from that person's perspective. It's, hey, it's Easter, and maybe I'm even wondering why you haven't invited me to your church service. Exactly. <laughs> and there's some humorous videos that are out there about that, by the way. Yeah. But I read an interesting quote uh, just the other day. You know, the the, uh, the the magicians, Penn and Teller, they're very, very yeah. well-known in, in Vegas, but um, they're kind of well-known atheists. And, and speak out about that. But they were speaking out about Christians sharing the gospel with people. And it was amazing because they said they can't believe that more Christians don't share the gospel, given what Christians believe. And they said, they want to say, if I really believe that there was a God who loved me and that heaven and hell were real places, I'd tell people how they could go to heaven. Because I can't believe more Christians aren't doing it, given what they say they believe. So here's come, this is coming from a guy who doesn't necessarily believe it, but he understands the implications of what we believe. So we have good news to share with people, and uh, it's the most loving thing we can do when the Bible says, you know, love your neighbor as you love yourself. The most loving thing to do is, is tell someone how they can know God and experience his love in their life. And that's that, what Easter tells us. That uh, I've seen that interview that you're talking about, and it's pretty powerful, it really, really is, because it does make this great point. It's, hey, if you really believe this, then this is the most important thing, that you're actually being selfish, I think he says, by not telling me about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, like, there's a, there's a balance here, and, and you, you know, you're a former pastor, I'm a pastor. You don't want to lay guilt trips on people, right? right? I don't want to be guilted into doing anything, so I yeah. don't want to try to guilt people into inviting their neighbor. Yeah. But I want to try to create for people, our, our listeners, and for the folks in my church, all the, the positive reasons why we ought to overcome that fear barrier and get in a, in a conversation with a neighbor, a friend, a guy at the gym, you know, someone over a cup of coffee, and tell our story and just share, hey, we get this great service at our church. It's a positive message. It's about do-overs, and who doesn't want a do-over? And I'd like to invite you to be my guest. That's a great way to look at it. And as you've said, this is highly relational, right? So for Easter, it's maybe a little easier just to up and invite somebody because they might be expecting it. But inviting people to church generally, it's a lot easier, as you said, if you already have a relationship with them, if you've already been praying for them, if you've already invested time in, in that relationship. And that's a very positive way to 
invite people to church. So it's not a guilt trip. It's, hey, this is something that's about me. We're friends. I want to share this with you. Well, if you think about, I, I, I think, positive witnessing, it's on, uh, if you think about it on a, on a graph, on one axis, there's sharing the message. On the other axis is building a relationship. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2, 8, that he was well pleased not to impart the gospel of God only, but also of his own life, because people were so dear to him. Mm. So I, I, I say to people, think in terms of this. You have all these relationships. you got neighbors. you got coworkers. you got the guy at the gym. you you got the barista at Starbucks. If you've been sharing the gospel message a lot with them, focus on building the relationship. But if you've been building a relationship but haven't been doing any gospel sharing, start sharing the gospel. And the best way is start with your story. Yeah. Our stories matter greatly. That is, uh, that's a huge point for people. And I think that's why Sanctify Yourself, to get back to that, that subject here, matters, because it's what people see, right? People are often not reading the Bible, but they are reading us. And right. it matters a lot. It matters a lot. Well, tell us, uh, Pastor, um, and my guest is Pastor J.P. Jones. He is the senior pastor at Crossline Community Church in Laguna Hills, California. What are we doing for Easter at Crossline Community Church in Laguna Hills? Well, we got a, a couple of things. First of all, on uh, April 2nd, Palm Sunday, the week before Easter, we have a big Easter outreach for all the kids. Uh, our church has a large property. We've got a big soccer field. We're doing an Easter egg hunt for the community. That's mm. in the afternoon. People can go on our website, crosslinechurch.com, and find out about that. It's great. For young families, bring all your kids, and we will just load it up with Easter eggs and goodies and have a really fun time, music and refreshment. And it's a, it's a community Easter egg outreach that we've been doing for, for quite a few years. Do you get a lot of so people from the community come out for that? Yeah, we, we do. Last year, I think we had about 5,000 wow. families that, that came out. So it was it was great. Yeah, people participate. Yeah. Uh, because people are looking for something wholesome and fun to do with their kids, right? Yes, they are. Yep. So, so that's that's a great thing. Then then on the actual weekend of Easter, we have uh, services Saturday night at five, and then three services on Sunday. Uh, uh, we have them at eight thirty, at ten, and eleven thirty. All so right. Saturday night five, Sunday at eight thirty, ten, and eleven thirty. Those are our Easter services for Easter weekend. And they can go on our website to get all the details, crosslinechurch.com. And if I'm going to bring a friend to your service, what what is the best way for me to to prepare that person for church? Maybe they've never been to church, which we, we find so often, you know, and uh, maybe to get them over whatever hesitation they have. I'm coming to Crossline. What's going to happen? What What's the best thing to tell them that they should be prepared for, for the Easter yeah, service? Some casual. Some casual. Mm. We're a casual church. We're a... We're multi-generation, a lot of families, and uh, we have very upbeat worship and praise music. We have a very contemporary style, very low-key. They will uh, expect to be greeted by multiple people, welcoming them, thanking them for being here. We have a large uh, auditorium with, uh, you know, multiple screens up on the front. Uh, there's going to be a worship band, very positive uh, experience, and a very clear message from God's Word, the fact that Jesus is who He says He is, and He did what He said He did. And so we're celebrating that Jesus rose from the dead, 
It's an historical reality, the greatest miracle that ever happened, but it's a miracle with a purpose to change our lives. And we're going to talk about how people can experience life change because Jesus really did rise from the dead. And if the person that they're bringing actually wants to receive Christ, uh, there's going to be help, right? I think some people worry about that. What if they actually do accept Christ? What do I do? Yeah, we will help people. We, we have uh, a group of friendly people that give every person who visits our church a call and meets with them personally if they want someone to meet with them. That's great. That's really great. Well, Pastor, uh, thank you for being with me uh, today and for taking time to give us this step, this step here as we have Easter week of sanctifying yourself. And it matters. I want to encourage everybody to take that step to to go back and listen to this on our website or on our podcast. If you missed the first part of it, my guest has been Pastor J.P. Jones. He is the senior pastor of Crossline Church in Laguna Hills, California, and he can be heard on KKLA in Los Angeles on uh, at 10:30 a.m. His show is called Truth That Changes Lives. You can also find Truth That Changes Lives on the web. Just Google it, Truth That Changes Lives with Pastor J.P. Jones. You can find it at oneplace.com. There's several places you can get that uh, program. Uh, isn't that right? That's correct. Yeah. And uh, I, it's been a pleasure for me to be talking with you, Scott. Well, it's great to have you on, J.P. Jones. And, you know, before we had this conversation, you talked about how you took a class from my dad at Biola. My dad is a pastor, and I'm going to let him know that uh, his student uh, did well. Well, I, yeah, tell him that I, 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 uh, I'm still serving Jesus with joy. Yeah. You know, that's going to bless him. It really, really will. Um, and uh, so thank you for doing that, and thank you for serving your church there and, uh, and everything and for all you do. Thank you very much. All right. Hey, everybody, I want to let you know that if you want to invite somebody to church, or maybe you're just investing in somebody and you've been sharing your faith, you've been sharing your story, and that person doesn't have a Bible, we're going to give you a gift. We want to give you a free Bible. And the free Bible can be for a family member or for somebody that you work with, somebody that you go to school with, somebody in your relational world, as I like to say. And you know what? They should have a Bible, a a print Bible. We want to help you get them one. So here's what you do. Go to kkla.com, and that's the Los Angeles radio station, 99.5 KKLA. Go to kkla.com. Click on the link for the free Bible, and it'll give you all the instruction for how to do that. We'll send you a free Bible. And you know what? It's It's a pretty good gift for somebody. And, you know, in your case, if there are ways that we can help you with all of these things, we would love to do that. You can reach out by emailing me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. This is Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. Great to be with you, and we'll return in just a moment. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Good to be with you today on this Tuesday. And we just heard from Pastor J.P. Jones, something that we are doing on our show and at KKLA together and uh, and wherever you're listening together is getting ready for Easter. And we built an acrostic for Easter. 
and E-A-S-T-R. Today is day number three. We actually started on Friday. Okay, so the Six Steps to Easter is what it's called. You can go to kkla.com, my home radio station, and click the banner there to learn more. You'll get that interview and more and some, some theme verses to go with it. S is sanctify, and it says sanctify yourselves. And, you know, I've had some people say, well, do we, we don't really sanctify ourselves, right? The, the Lord does that. And, you know, one of the, the things to keep in mind is that, yes, you're right, the Lord does that. But there is a theme that is throughout Scripture of basically preparing yourself for what the Lord wants to do. You actually have the phrase sanctify yourself throughout the Old Testament in different places, all right, where people are are called to sanctify themselves. In the New Testament, we are called to do a few things very specifically. Uh, One of them is to put off your old self, which is what that means. And you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitudes of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I think one of the things that's important is that we aren't doing this uh, on our own. We are not commanded to um, grow ourselves. We have the Holy Spirit who gives us gifts and allows us to to do that. But we are still called to take action. We aren't called to just sit and then, uh, you know, one day, like by voodoo or something, the Lord grows us. No, it's, it is something that we do together. And the, we have supernatural help. That's the, the gifts that we have from the Holy Spirit. And the reason for this is that we want to go into Holy Week or Passion Week, Easter vacation it is for a lot of people, and not just going through the religious routines. I mean, wouldn't you say that that right now, as we look at the world today and the chaos and the division that we have, more than ever, it's always important, right? But we have got to get to the basics of our faith, because when people unite around the gospel of Jesus Christ, great things happen. Number one, people get saved. Number two, this world gets better, right? Wherever the kingdom of God is present and being lived out, I believe that that household or that community will get better. Wherever your church is, whatever community your church is in, you should always, I think as churches, we should always ask ourselves this question as congregations, is the neighborhood better off because we're in it, right? Are we adding value to the neighbors? So for the people who aren't even believers, would they miss us if we were gone? It's a great question to help us focus on mission. And that's something I think for each and every one of us, because the church isn't our congregation, right? It's us. And maybe that's a question you ask yourself. Would the place where I'm working, would they miss me whenever I leave, when I'm gone? The place I'm going to school, would they miss me when I'm gone? And miss you, I mean, they're not going to, people move on. That's what happens, right? But, you know, is is there going to be a sense of personal loss because you're able to add value to the people that you work with because you're kind to them, because you love your enemies, because in the divisive world that we live in today, you can be the reasonable one. You can be whatever you're, you know, you might have really strong beliefs about things one way or the other, but are you able to temper those things so that you can be reasonable while upholding what is true or acknowledging what you don't really know is true or false, but really pointing people to Jesus? And that's what we want to help you do. So go to kkla.com and click on the banner there and uh, check it out. This is Southern California Live. It's Holy Week, Passion Week. The number is 888-528-2557. Here's a question for you. What are you doing to invite people to Easter? Do you do something specifically to invite people to your church? Do you have a flyer? Do you call people? Do you put out a banner? You know, what are you doing personally 
to invite people to Easter? Is this something that uh, you really take time to do? Easter is kind of a a gimme for this, right? People are in a way expecting to be asked. They may or may not go, but a lot of people will go with you on Easter Sunday. What have you found works for you? You can call us up and share that, 888-528-2557, Also, I wanted to uh, just talk about, you know, as we go through this week, it's Tuesday of Holy Week, and we know what Palm Sunday is, and Jesus had the triumphal entry and Palm Sunday, and you probably talked about that Sunday in church. Also, Thursday is Monday Thursday. It's Passover. Sometimes that gets talked about. Sometimes it doesn't, depending on your tradition. Most people talk about Good Friday, and maybe you even have that day off, actually. It's possible, depending on where you work. And then, of course, uh, Sunday is Easter. But what happened on the other days? Like, what, what did the disciples and Jesus do on the Tuesday of Holy Week? Any idea? Like, it's, it's Holy Tuesday. There's some traditions about that. What did Jesus and uh, his guys do on Tuesday? No one's really sure, actually, on Tuesday uh, for sure what happened. I like to think that uh, at some point during the day, there was a lot of tension, of course, going on as Jesus was preaching. And on a Monday, he, he upended the temple and uh, cursed a fig tree. And that was interesting. And people were certainly beginning to talk about that. And some people were getting really irritated with Jesus at this point. And the religious leaders were getting ready to kill him. There's a lot of tension going on. But, you know, the interesting thing about Scripture and when you're talking about Jesus's life, we actually only have about 56 days of Jesus's life recorded. Do you know that? And it's not that we have the whole day recorded. We have snippets of each day. That's it. And I want you to think about how powerful it is that the most influential person in all of history for sure is Jesus Christ, without a doubt, uh, as just a matter of fact. And we only have 56 days, just snippets of what he did. That's incredibly powerful. So, you know, he did some things each and every day, but we don't know how he spent the rest of his time. The Gospel of John, John tells us that there's so many things that he did, so many great things that he did. You could fill volume after volume after volume and still not write all the stuff. I mean, imagine all the the things that were going on. I think Jesus also spent some time uh, with his uh, his disciples. Probably, uh, it's Tuesday, right? He probably went somewhere and got two tacos for the price of one. Wouldn't you think that he did that on Tuesday? Did they have that back then, uh, Taco Tuesday? I don't know. I don't know if they did. I used to live, they might have, because I used to live in a community that was very heavily Chaldean and Middle Eastern, and most of the people who lived there were from those countries and that part of the world. And so there was a lot of Mediterranean restaurants and different kinds of uh, foods from that region. And there was this place that I lived next to, next to. And they served the usual stuff, the gyro and the falafel and the shawarma and that kind of stuff. But the fun thing about it was that they arranged it all like Mexican food. Okay, so I'm living in in San Diego, and and they arranged it all like Mexican food. So you could get gyro tacos and gyro burritos, even gyro fries. You ever get carne asada fries? You find the right place for carne asada fries. They're amazing, right? They're fantastic. Well, you at this place, they would get the, the gyro meat right? And put it over fries. And they were so good. But instead of using guacamole and sour cream on there, what they would use is the uh, tzatziki sauce and tahini sauce and some garlic and other sauces and other spices. And it was amazing. And they would make tacos and burritos and uh, your usual Mexican restaurant um, things that you would order, except it would be Mediterranean food. And so I like to think that it's possible on Holy Tuesday that Jesus and his disciples might have taken a break for some kind of a shawarma taco deal or something. 
uh, right before heading out to where Jesus would give what is now known as the Olivet Discourse, if you were following and tracking in the Bible. When what he, it was a, a sermon that Jesus gave, a talk that Jesus gave, where he tells everybody about the end of the world. You know, it's a topic everybody likes to talk about, right? You like to talk about it, I like to talk about it, and they like to talk about it back then. You know, what are the signs of the times? What's it going to be like at the end of time? And so Jesus, right before he is crucified during this week, most scholars think that's when he gives this talk, where he talks about what is coming at the end. Uh, and so that's what a lot of a lot of people think happened on Holy Tuesday. And if you go to Matthew 24, 25, you'll see uh, that talk. And speaking of the end of the world, let me ask you this. How you doing? Uh, are you... This has been a rough few years for different reasons, and people are looking at the news today and looking at the world today and kind of wondering, is this it? Is this the time that uh, the day of the Lord is coming uh, in this way, the second coming of Christ? Is that coming? You know, whether it is or not, you know, how are you doing? Are you tired of uh, the isolation? Have you reconnected after the COVID? There's still a lot of people, I think, dealing with the impact of that on our lives. It changed us, didn't it? I hope that you're doing okay. And one of the reasons to be a part of the church is to get connected with other people and people who have something in common with you. Particularly if you're a Christian, you should be with other believers, part of the body. It matters. And I don't think it's the same watching on TV. I think it's convenient that it's on TV, right? That you can go on the internet and watch it. I think it really is a great thing. But can I encourage you to get back in church if you are still not in church? I, I know that it's, you know, and if you've got kids or different things, it's nice to go to church in your pajamas and eat waffles while you're watching the sermon. I get it. But you got to get with people. It matters to be with people and use the, the television, the internet for your services when you're sick or when you're out of town and you want to keep up with the sermon series and stay connected to your local body. I think that matters a lot. But it's important and we have a responsibility to be a part of the body of Christ as Christians. You know, it is something that when we're not a part of it, we we miss something. We we get out of the mission of church. And I want to encourage you, if you've kind of been out for a while, maybe you feel embarrassed. Maybe you're like, I haven't been to church in three years, and now I feel embarrassed to go back. We, uh, when we, you know, we've had a lot of people do that at, at church when the, when the church, you know, was shut down for a little while, and we came back pretty early, but we had uh, different people every week. For months, there would be people sort of trickle back in uh, to church. And it was great to see people. Sometimes it would be like a year later. And I'm, I know that there are some of you who it's been three years since you've been to church, literally three years. Can I just say, don't be embarrassed. Show up to church. I think people will be glad to see you. And if you're listening and you see somebody you haven't seen for three years, don't make fun of them and don't mock them or whatever. Just be so glad that they're back. I think that's the way most people respond. I think they're going to be thrilled that you're back. I mean, shoot, people moved around so much. Your church, the church you used to go to might be a completely new church. You might not know anybody. You're going to say, oh, you're new. It's like, no, I've been going here for 20 years. Well, the rest of us have only been here for two years. That's the way it is in a lot of places. Anyway, be back together with people. I got to take a break. This is Southern California Live. Pastor Scott Furrow with you. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, I'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned. 
This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Good to be with you. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Talking about Holy Week and whether or not you invite friends and uh, what do you do to invite your friends to Easter. James on in Huntington Beach. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, uh, this is James. Hi, James. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I, I just wanted to um, make a statement that to me it's a disservice to say that uh, the current Democrat Party is just the other side of the aisle, uh, no for, further from the truth than the paleocon Republicans. I mean, I well, would say that the current administration with Biden, Harris, Merrick, Garland, Mayorkas, hey, to me, uh, I mean— Hey, J- James, we're, we're talking about Easter week now. We talked about that in the last hour. You know, so okay. uh, I, I would agree that there's you want to be careful about uh, moral equivalence of different things. So I'm not really sure where, you know, what I might have said or what uh, uh, where you might have been coming from with that. Let me ask you this. Are you going to church on Easter? Are you, are you a believer? Oh, yes, I am. Uh-huh. Uh, in fact, uh, I, I drive by uh, uh, the church you just talked about uh, on Moulton Parkway. Um, every day, a Crossline Community Church. Oh, Crossline Community um, Church, yeah. Pastor J.P. Moreland. Uh, I always want to say J.P. Moreland. J.P. Jones is there. Well, ironically, Biola University is where I got my start in uh, screenwriting because they had a Christian film festival there. So uh, I've had like 62 screenwriting awards since I started writing Christian screenplays. Oh, no kidding. one six eight rite of passage. And prior to that, I only had two screenwriting, uh, screenwriting uh, uh, awards. Um, and I'm a kind of I'm a uh, currently unemployed aerospace engineer, just devoting myself full time to Christian screenwriting. Yeah, the kind of passages where you have a week to write a 12 page screenplay based on a verse of the Bible. And this year, I just finished writing my best screenplay. I'm going to try to get it made into a 12 minute film. It was based on Ecclesiastes three one, which was uh, what the birds made a famous song on called right. "Turn Turn." Right. Let me ask but you something. Oh, sure. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, as a Christian screenwriter today, I think. You know, we're seeing it with Jesus Revolution, but we're seeing it with some other things that there is a growing, um, I don't know if I want to say, I think the right word is ministry. There is a growing ministry for Christian film uh, in today's world. And, you know, what are your thoughts about that? Do you think it's a good way to communicate the gospel a better way? You probably do because of what you're you're working on. Yeah, I really do. I think maybe God's calling for me is to write Christian screenplays to spread spread the word of God. And speaking of a movie, uh, Big George will be coming out. George Foreman was an interesting character. He got into crime, uh, then he won an Olympic gold medalist, and then he kept, and then he lo- then he won the heavyweight title from Joe Frazier, lost to Muhammad Ali for two and a half years. He tried to get a rematch in his last fight. He lost a decision. He was completely exhausted and dehydrated. And he said he was in a deep, dark pit, uh, and God reached out and grabbed him. He got up and ran around the dressing room saying, Jesus Christ is coming alive inside me. His handler said he had a hallucination, but he retired at age 28, and 10 years later he made a comeback because he had the George Foreman Youth Center, and there was a little. he ran out of money and had to close it, and this kid he was helping got arrested. And he said, if I had, had to close my youth center, that kid would not be arrested. So he said... To make money, I don't. Only way I know is to make to box. So after he won the title, two months from age forty-six, the youngest man ever to win, oldest man ever to win the heavyweight title, 
if you look at the film of uh, a uh, fight, he got down on his hands and knees in the corner and looked heavenward and prayed. Mm. Uh, so I looked at the, um, I was hoping this movie would be a, a do justice to George and Jesus. And from the trailer, it looks like it really captures George Foreman. Uh, that will be a really good Christian film to see. All right. You know what? Uh, I I don't know anything about it, but I looked it up. It's coming out April 28th. So uh, interesting thing. It's funny because I was just thinking about him the other day. Uh, what happened to him? Because I haven't seen him for a while. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, he, he still has the Foreman Youth Center. And, uh, yeah, this movie will be great. I got to meet him when I was really young when he was training to fight Muhammad Ali in Pleasanton, California. Uh, and it was the Job Corps that got him out of the mean streets of Texas mm. to Pleasanton. And he was getting in so many fights. This guy that was running the Job Corps thing, Doc Brodus, said, you need to box. And another thing he did uh, in the 68 Olympics after he won the world heavyweight title, he grabbed an American flag and ran around the ring. And this is the Olympics where... Uh, other African American uh, um, athletes who won a gold medal, you know, uh, protested and did the raised fist and got off the podium while the American flag was being played. So, some people called George and Uncle Tom for doing that, but uh, you know, anyway. Well, I think he's. Very, very a, I think he's a, a good man. I'm interested in that movie. Thanks for letting us know about it. And James, we'll probably talk politics again tomorrow. So check us out tomorrow. Okay, sounds good, Scott. All right, thank, thank you, you James. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You know, everybody's got a story, and you're, we're not all uh, George Foreman's, you know, um, but uh, we all have some kind of story, and we have a story that God is intimate with. Did you know that? When you, when you think about it, when you think about famous people and famous Christians and the movies that might get made, most of us are not going to have a movie made of our life, and that's fine. But the thing is that you should know about God is that God is an infinite God, which means he has all the time for every moment in your life. And it'll it'll hurt your brain if you start to think about what it means that God is infinite. That means that he's not more or less, you know, concerned about you than he is a George Foreman or anybody else, that he is aware of your life and who you are. You know, the scriptures say he knows all the hair, the number of hairs on your head, also knows the number of hairs that used to be on your head in many of our cases. And, uh, you know, that's how intimate the Lord is with you. And I don't know, I feel like sometimes we get feeling that maybe we're not as important as other people. Never, ever feel that way. Because since God is infinite, he does have time for you. I used to think, you know, sometimes sports stars will, if they hit a home run, you know, baseball, and they get around, they get the home plate, and they'll tap their chest and point to the Lord and and uh, sometimes they're pointing to, you know, they're remembering their dad or there's something else. But sometimes it's the, it's an expression of uh, faith or they have the interview afterward and they just thank God, you know, I just thank God that we uh, won the Super Bowl. And I used to think, you know, that's kind of a, a weird thing because, you know, is God opposed to the other team? You know, is that, is, is God rooting for your team? Why, why do that? You know, is that really a, a thing? And then, you know, later on I realized, you know what? God deserves our praise and about anything, the small, insignificant things just as much as the major thing. And God has time for that, that the the small things that really don't matter a lot for civilization, God still has time for you to acknowledge him in those areas. 
And he's certainly going to want you to to focus in the big areas of of who you're reaching. And you know what? In sports, sometimes there are sports figures, or it could be even other people in other industries who just share their faith or let people know that they believe in God. And it inspires other people to say, well, if if he believes in God or she believes in God, then maybe there's something to it. And I kind of wonder, you know, how many times has God used that little praise that sometimes just seems out of place to really impact the lives of other people who are watching? I think it might happen more than more than you know. And I also think in your life, that's the same because you you may not be on TV and you may not have a an audience who's listening to you all the time. Uh, so what? God has put specific people in your life specific people that are around you at different times and that number you know of people changes from time to time and you move or you get another job or you go to another school you, you have different groups of people in your life but at any given time there are people in your life that I believe God has purposefully put there just for you and that God is right with you in that and what we're called to do is is make disciples and it's relational it's the people that God has placed in your life and if you're thinking of inviting someone to Easter, it's what we were talking about this hour. And you're thinking about, you know, putting off the old self and putting on the new self, as Ephesians 4 tells us. You know, the reason to do that isn't just for this life or just for ourselves. It isn't just so that we have a better life. We do that, and the Holy Spirit helps us with that because God wants to use us to reach other people for Him so that they get saved. And that's what God cares about. And I want you to know that God cares about every single moment of your life, and he has just as much time for you as he has for every other person. And so don't ever compare yourself to somebody else in either way. Don't look at somebody else and go, gosh, I wish I was as spiritual as that person. Or maybe, good, I'm so glad I'm not, uh, you know, struggling like that person. You know, don't say either, because God has just as much time for you as that person, and what he wants you to do is respond to him and respond to the call that he's put on your life, which ultimately is to demonstrate and announce the gospel to the people that God has placed in your life, to reflect his light. So I want to encourage you to do that and be encouraged that it's great that God knows everything about you. It's great that God knows everything about you and Jesus died anyway. Like for some of us, you know, you think, you know, God knows everything about me. He wouldn't forgive me of my sins. No, he does know everything about you. And he did die for you on the cross. And that gives you everything you need to live for him to trust in him that that you are his and that everlasting life is yours. And in the meantime, you live for him and you let him be your audience, that really your only audience is the Lord. He's the one that you please. I hope that that's something that can help you. And I want to encourage you to not be afraid to invite somebody in your life that you know to Easter services and just say, hey, I'm going to such and such church this weekend. Uh, it's Easter. I wonder if you'd like to go. And, you know, take them meet with them, come with them. I want to encourage you to do that. All right, we're out of time. We'll talk about all kinds of stuff that's in the news tomorrow. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. I'll see you tomorrow from 3 to 5. God bless. Have a good night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost 
and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.